200 level episode 235. Mike Carpenter in the basement studios on this Thursday evening and a massive game awaits. After what was a massive game on Monday night, it's kind of bizarre to be sitting here a mere two weeks after not knowing where the hell the season was going to go. And to be quite honest, you know, this would have been what Thanksgiving two weeks ago. Not even sure that the following night you would have a hard time beating Texas Rio Grande Valley. And now your winners of five straight, a big win on the road against your rival. And I think the entire vibe and complexion of this team has changed almost overnight. And whether or not that means they're going to beat Arizona, now the number one ranked team in the net, hard to say. This is going to be the toughest matchup so far this year. And other than Purdue and I guess Michigan, now that they're starting to kind of figure things out, maybe some upper echelon Big Ten teams. This is every bit as challenging of a matchup as you might face all year. But you do get it at home, you do get it early, and you get it in the middle of a swing where you're just playing good basketball. And it's not perfect. We know that. It's a bit messy. I think this team might be messy for most of the year. But along with that messiness, they have sort of regained that mojo, that toughness, that swagger that they really exhibited for much of late January, February, early March of last year. Doesn't mean they can't lay a stinker. And as we've talked about on this podcast many times before, this team is unfortunately probably going to be prone to the occasional stinker. But they're also prone to playing really, really good basketball, shooting lights out. Oh, and there's Kofi Coburn. And let's not forget, you know, offensively the last two games, maybe he wasn't putting up 25, but he is a complete game changer. I mean, that goes without saying. That's an understatement. And the impact that he's having on everything with that offense And I guess, of course, the defense as well, which has shown some things, but especially offensively. I mean, this is just a team right now that is very difficult to defend. And we'll see. Arizona has not played a team as good as Illinois. And yes, I include Michigan in that equation. Michigan might be figuring things out now, but they certainly had not when they played Arizona back in November. And frankly, if Illinois and Arizona would have played two weeks ago, probably would have been a very different outcome. But there's reason to be confident going into this game, even with Arizona as that number one net ranked team. I believe they're 11th right now in the Ken Palm, and you are 13th or 14th. Ken Palm, I think, has a two or three point home win for Illinois. I think that sounds about right, if not maybe five or six points. But here's what I love, is the anticipation that gets to build for this game that really takes me back to, I would say, 2001, Saturday afternoon, State Farm Center, then the Assembly Hall, a top 10 ranked Seton Hall team came in, and Illinois, I believe, was also in the top 10 at that point. We assumed that we would win, but we also knew that Seton Hall had NFL, NFL, NBA talent. I think Eddie Griffin was on that team, among a few other guys. And it didn't go so well in the first half, but it was one of the most electrifying atmospheres I'd been in for that second half in overtime. And I get the same sort of feeling in my belly before this game. And I know I'm going to have it on Saturday as I'm trying to sort of bide my time until a friend and I head to the State Farm Center about 3.30. I'm going to be thinking about it and, and feeling that anxiety that you should feel when your team is good and it's about to play a big game at home. And the fact that we get to share this as fans with a bunch of other Illini fans and a Stripe the Stadium Saturday matinee. And man, if we win... The feeling about 6 o'clock on Saturday, we're back. You know, we got the marquee win in the non-conference, which you still need. You still need that. You're 2-0 in the Big Ten. You got a scrub team coming in next Saturday and then bragging rights. You know, there's this 
feeling that I get with good Illinois teams around Christmas time, like the best years that I've seen with Illinois basketball, go back to 01, I mentioned Seton Hall, and the vibe over Christmas after you'd beaten Missouri and bragging rights and all those big non-conference wins, and you knew that you had something really good going on. Go back to 0405, of course, the same thing there. And go back even to last year, though, there were some moments last year in December where you weren't entirely sure where things were going. But there's something about Christmas time when Illinois is good. And that would be a far cry from, let's say, two years ago when you lost to, what, Missouri in the bragging rights game? You looked terrible doing it. And I don't know if anyone knew where this thing was going. I mean, it was year three of Underwood, and we still hadn't seen it really pay any dividends yet. What we have now. And if I go back to that Iowa game, and we're going to start with that after the uh, sponsors here in just a second. Go back to that Iowa game, and this team has won 9 of 10 on the road in the Big Ten. And these aren't bad teams that they're winning on the road against. You could throw Nebraska in there. That's one of them. Minnesota, that's another. But this is the Iowas and the Ohio States and the Wisconsins and the Michigans of the world. The one exception was Michigan State last year. That was your last road loss. And that's not a place that you should feel really any shame for losing. And that was when Iowa got hit in the face, of course. So not a good night by any stretch. But you're winning road games, not just here and there. If they, if he had a 500 record on the road, Brad Underwood had a 500 record on the road in the last 10 games, I think that's phenomenal. Well, they're nine of the last 10. That's insane. And I cannot think, and I'd have to go back and look in media guides, the last time that Illinois had a run like that. I'm guessing 0405 would have to have been it. Not sure if Bill Self ever had a run like that on the road. But damn, like it's getting to the point where I just assume they're going to win Big Ten games. And they got themselves right far quicker than I could have anticipated. And to be 2-0 in the Big Ten after how things fell at Thanksgiving, that's something I feel really good about. And now an opportunity to get that win that will stick with you all the way through Selection Sunday if you can, in fact, beat Arizona. All right, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Get a custom zone or one of uh, your favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Those were our go-tos 15 years ago when they opened up and we were sophomores at the University of Illinois. Well, there's a reason they've been around 15 years. Go online to dpdoe.com and order today. Also, 4th and Kirby, we're getting... Close to Christmas. How many more shopping days left? It's December 9th when I record this, so 15 shopping days before you go to sleep and you wake up and Santa's arrived. Well, maybe Santa can bring you some vintage-inspired Illini apparel from 4th and Kirby, hoodies, crewnecks, and t-shirts, all with really cool designs on high-quality apparel. This is not like cheap Gildan stuff, no offense to Gildan t-shirts. They have really nice cotton blends that are comfortable, they fit well, yeah, you, you know what cheap t-shirts look like. They don't look good. Uh, Fourth and Kirby does. So go online to fourthandkirby.com for some Christmas swag today. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We got homeowners and auto from Brian and his staff. They made it very easy, and of course, we got the great State Farm prices as well. So how about you check it out today? Go online to brianismyguy.com. Com. And finally, State State Farm agent, no, already did that one, Rector Construction, online at RECTORConstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. And that's basically a 12-month-a-year gig now. They can take care of a lot of this stuff even over the winter. So how about you call today or go to their website to get a free estimate for any 
exterior project at your home. That is R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. <clears throat> Frog in my throat, excuse me. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you, the listeners. We had our biggest episode in, I'm trying to think here, probably since the Penn State football win with that Iowa win. And for good reason. I mean, good Lord, that was a big, big win on the road against your heated or your hated rival. I guess both would apply here to Iowa. And it felt good. I was buzzing on Tuesday. Um, By the way, having really fun, a lot of fun, I should say, on Twitch. And uh, I'm not doing the Twitch for this episode here because I'm kind of breaking it up into pieces as we do some other things around the house on this Thursday evening. But Twitch is a blast. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Had, I think, 150 or 200 people have viewed that Iowa video. They stay up for about two weeks. So if you want to see the whole thing, you can check it out at twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level. And then Trevor did this cool thing, and you can see it on the 200 level uh, Twitter timeline or also at Fanboy Cart, my Twitter timeline. He got a video of me and Isaac, and then, of course, Trevor's face on the computer monitor, reacting as Alfonso Plummer hit the dagger three with about a minute 15 to go. And he synced that to the video of the three itself. So this whole video component, it adds a lot. We have fun with it. And I hope that for those that are tuning in, on Twitch, as we're reacting, it adds something to your experience. I'm guessing we're delayed about five seconds or so on that Twitch stream. And honestly, maybe even more than that if you're watching on cable. Because we're doing Hulu on the Fire Stick. That's a delay. And then Twitch, that's probably a delay too. Uh, but I hope you're having fun with it. And we appreciate all those tuning in. And uh, it is growing, the audience. We got over 50 subscribers on there. So, And it's been going for, what, a month now? So yeah, check us out on Twitch, and uh, we'll be doing that again, I'm trying to think, Trevor and I for sure, the Missouri game, and I'll make sure to get some solo pods on Twitch as well, though I'm probably not the most exciting face to watch, I'm, I'm really just talking here. Let's start with the Iowa game, and why it felt so good, and why it means a lot. First off, you beat an Iowa four times in a row. Go back to Super Bowl Sunday in 2020. I think it was me and Isaac and Trevor... Would have been, right? I think Harry had already left. And on Super Bowl Sunday, we met up for the second half. This was in the early going of these second half podcasts. And I had to actually pause the podcast and yell an expletive when I think Bohannon or maybe Weisskamp hit a three late in that second half. Illinois fought their butts off, but Iowa was at their peak right then. Andres Feliz had a really good second half, but the rest of the team was just struggling to score, if I recall correctly. And then it culminated... And Shin Coleman culminated, Coleman, in a scuffle with the Iowa bench because Iowa dunked late when they were already up eight. And that didn't sit well with Illinois. Cut to about six weeks later, six, seven weeks later at the State Farm Center and on the eve of the pandemic, pretty much, one of the best environments I've ever seen there. And this was when the Big Ten title was already out of reach, but it was Iowa. The rivalry was renewed and Illinois fans were pissed off and ready on a Sunday evening. And my dad and I had an absolute blast. I remember just an expletive-laden tirade when DeMonte got in the grill of Connor McCaffrey, one of the endless cavalcade of McCaffreys that it seemingly never ends. And just F-bomb, Fran, you mother blank. It was just awesome. I Just the pure venom, the re- reptilian brain was in full effect. I was a total meatball fanboy, and it felt great, and we beat them. And Kofi getting his hand on Luka Garza's shot at the end. What a cap to what was a great regular season. 
Little did we know that was it, right? I mean, we knew something was coming with the whole pandemic, but maybe not to the degree that it happened. And life changed. So there's something that was so damn fun on Monday night about sitting in this basement with Isaac and, of course, Trevor on the computer monitor and getting to share with these guys in real time what was a major win and a major accomplishment for this team that has kind of found an identity for itself rather quickly. And to do so on the road against an Iowa team that, when all is said and done, let's let's probably project Iowa somewhere around sixth in the Big Ten. They are probably a tournament team. I don't think they're probably a top 25 team when all is said and done. They're right on that borderline. and uh, But nonetheless, it's a quad one win, and it will remain so. They are not going to dip so far as to that becoming a, a quad two, and that's another notch in your belt for Selection Sunday. But most importantly... It's a notch in your belt for this rivalry. Four in a row against these guys. Of course, the one against them at the State Farm Center at the end of the 2020 season. Go back to last season when you had the one game in the regular season against them at home on a Friday night. Of course, we weren't there at the stadium, but all of Illini Nation's eyes were on that game. And it was a pretty impressive win for Illinois. That was really the beginning of the run that they had to let's be honest, win the Big Ten title, neither here nor there. That's a whole can of worms we don't need to open. And then the Big Ten tournament, which that game, oh my God. I mean, winning that Saturday semifinal against Iowa and really kind of controlling that game from tip to finish was just a joy. And I was up in Chicago at that point because my mom had gotten her liver transplant four days before. And it was, you know, listen, (laughs) there's a major difference between you know, the magnitude of my mom getting that and then Illinois winning a basketball game. But it had this extra sort of meaningfulness, I should say, as during the first half of that Illinois-Iowa game, I get to watch it in her hospital room and we're having a fun time watching Illinois beat Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. This return to normalcy, and of course it wasn't normal. I mean, everything about it, being in a hospital room and and watching a game at Lucas Oil Stadium where everyone was spaced six seats apart from one another, not normal, but closer to it than we had been in a long time. So this run that we have had against Iowa, for any Illinois fan, it means a lot. For me, it means a lot. I remember one of my first memories was Illinois beating Iowa on Andy Kaufman's three-point shot. This, of course, after the ball tipped off of Deion Thomas's shoulder and back into the Iowa basket to give them a lead with one point, what, 1.6 or 1.7 left. And that being really kind of the early defining moment for me as an Illini fan. So whenever I see Iowa on TV against my guys, and actually whenever I see them, period, I feel that bile rise to my throat. It just, ugh, it, it tastes bad. I, I want to beat these jerks so badly, and it doesn't matter what you know, annoying white guys they throw out on the court. It's just, it's endless. It's never ending. I can't stand them, but in a fun way. And it's been really fun now that we've beaten them. If we would have lost on Monday, it would have sucked. You know, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. It's so early in the season and not a bad road loss by any means, but it would not have been the same. And I think in the first half when they went on that 22 to two run against Illinois, I was setting myself up for, ah, man, we might not win this. So then you kind of, like a turtle, you go back in your shell (laughs) because you don't want to get hurt and you don't want to get too angry. And I don't want to throw remote controls at the TV or do anything stupid. So before I get angry, I detach a little bit and say, okay, well, let's just see how we end the first half. 
Well, then you do. You end it well. Jacob Grandison with two threes. All of a sudden, we got a three-point lead at halftime after all is said and done. And then you play a fairly top-to-bottom good second half, except for the you know three, four-minute stretch where Iowa goes on one of their signature runs, and you can't get the ball across the damn half-court line. Yes, there were frustrations from Monday, but you won. And I tell you what, those frustrations very quickly evaporated, and joy Right? That's what it's all about, winning the big games and feeling good about it. And you, there's not any other opponent, except maybe Michigan this year, where it's going to feel as good as it just did beating Iowa. So kudos to this team. Kudos to Brad Underwood for saying, no, this is our rivalry. We own this. This really, to be honest, kind of makes the whole Missouri thing Nolan Boyd. I view that as a sort of, eh, who cares? And we'll get them on December 22nd. I'm not worried about that. But beating Iowa and beating them regularly... That more than makes up for it. Beating Michigan and not yet losing to Michigan, that more than makes up for not beating Missouri. And once we take care of that, that's basically every feather in the cap that you need against your rivals, Brad Underwood has. That is a credit to him and the program he's built. We're beating those teams again. We're beating them regularly again. And we're starting to settle into this same feeling that I had in the early 2000s. That's not to say that this team might even have a banner at the end of the year. They might not. I I don't know. Um, It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because of how good Purdue is, but it's not impossible. I'm not going to rule that out, but this team is going to still win a bunch of games, get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament probably, more maybe of a top 15 team than a top five, but you also know that they're dangerous. And let's say they make the second weekend of the tournament and there's no banners to show for it. Well, that's okay. You know, this is still building consistent success. Well, they've been consistent, and all of a sudden that run early in the year where you started 2-2 two and two and you looked bad doing it, that looks like the aberration. To me, that's the most encouraging thing. That is becoming a distant memory, even though it wasn't all that distant. And it's enough to give you pause, and it's enough to make you think, oh God, is the bad Illinois team going to rear its head again, maybe even as early as Saturday? And that's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's impossible, okay? Uh, but I have much more confidence that, you know what? Maybe they're just good. Maybe Alfonso Plummer, by the way, he's, wow. Maybe Alfonso Plummer is not just a microwave of a shooting guard. Maybe he's just going to have a really big fifth year. Kofi Coburn, you know what he is. Maybe Jacob Grandison, it's not just a few efficient games offensively. Maybe Jacob Grandison is just that good. And you go down the list and start feeling pretty confident about your chances. And this is without Andre Corbello even stepping on the floor. Want to hit that real quick. You do need Curbelo back. You can't really probably keep this thing going and and reach the heights that you want to unless Curbelo was a part of this rotation. But I think that's the key. Part of this rotation. A starter? No. Whatever is going on, whatever is keeping him out of the lineup, the best thing to do probably when he gets back, let him come off the bench just like he did last year. It worked well then. It can work well now. And he would have been just the cure to whatever ailed you against Iowa with that full court press. He would have helped with that. You probably still would have turned the ball over 18 times. He would have had those moments in the half court, but overall, that would have made a difference. You do need Andre Corbello back, and I don't know if it's going to be Saturday. I don't know when it's going to be, but you got an opportunity coming up against, let's say, St. Francis, Missouri, and Florida A&M to maybe ease him back in. I would love to get him back in the rotation. All right, let's talk about another rival, if you can call them that. Arizona and Illinois have quite the history together, and if I think about the golden age of Illinois basketball, at least for me, and I think for most of uh, Illini fans, 
you would go back to the early 2000s. And I remember back in 2000 and 2001, in that non-conference schedule, you played Arizona twice. You played them in Maui and lost by, I think, a point or two in what was a great game, two top five teams. And then you played them again up at the United Center, I think the week before Bragging Rights. That December was maybe my favorite month of Illini basketball, if I think about it, because that December you beat Seton Hall at home on a Saturday. I think the following Saturday you beat Arizona, the United Center, and then the following week you finally beat Missouri after losing like four in a row in the Bragging Rights in overtime, if I recall, and Frank was a stud, as he so often was. That month also included a random loss to Texas, which I think was two days after Bragging Rights and just a bad bit of scheduling, but we were riding such a high. I think even at that young age, I didn't really mind the loss against Texas that much. It was not a big deal, which was rare for me back then. And that Arizona game of the United Center, out of all the United Center games, Big Ten tournament games included, might be my favorite Chicago-Illinois game. I remember distinctly going to Legends with my dad and a neighborhood friend of ours, Doug, and then a few other people from the neighborhood came. I want to say it was like an 11 a.m. or noon tip-off, but you could tell from as we were watching at the projection screen at that corner in Legends by the dartboards that the United Center was nuts. And that was when Lucas Johnson really became public enemy number one for Arizona and Lute Olson. Unfortunately, that was a bit of a harbinger of things to come in March. And after you smoked Kansas in that Sweet 16, it was the Elite Eight game against Arizona that is always going to be one of the more painful basketball memories I have because back at Legends for that, feeling, oh my God, all all we got to do is win one game and I will see Illinois in the Final Four. And you lost to just a dynamite Arizona team, but of course, not to blame the officials, but it was a game that was dictated by the officiating. It just was. I think five Illini guys fell out. So it wasn't until 2005 that you got revenge, and it didn't feel for most of that second half that you were going to get that revenge, and I could replay that that second half comeback, or really more to the point, the four-minute comeback against Arizona. It's been done ad nauseum. We haven't really talked about it too much on this show, but to be honest, part of the reason I hadn't done it much on the 200 level is I had this leeriness when things are not going well to relive the glory days. Well, we're kind of now living in a second golden era of Illini basketball, potentially. Like it does feel like we're entering an extended period of good times. And now I feel more comfortable maybe going back to that game and actually reliving it. And I don't know if I've ever told this story, but with about 10 minutes to go in the second half against Arizona in the 05 Elite Eight, we had some friends over. Uh, my parents were over at Esquire, and so was my sister. They were watching it there because they were old enough to you know, be in a bar and actually uh, you know, enjoy it in, in, in the crowd with a bunch of other people. It was me, my buddy Andrew, my buddy Asher, and I want to say like four or five more people. And I just had to leave the room when there was about 10 minutes, maybe eight minutes left in that second half. And I went up to this room we had above the garage. We called the playroom. We had a little Tyke or Fisher-Price basketball hoop in there. We had the Sega Genesis or whatever gaming system I had then, maybe a PS2 by then. And as I'm watching it and Channing Frye hits that shot to go up 15, I, I had this, you know, I don't know, impulse to throw something. There was an ironing board up there and I took the starch bottle and I just chucked it against the wall. And sure enough, in the drywall was a 
perfectly round circle. I mean, this thing hit dead on like a spear. And I had just added insult to injury. All of a sudden, I got my favorite team is losing by 15 points. And this, you know, miracle season is about to come to a premature end. And I'm going to have to explain to my parents how I put a starch bottle through the drywall. Then the comeback happens. I remember saying during this comeback out loud to the TV like a madman saying, don't do a fake comeback. Like if you're going to lose, just lose. I don't want the moral victories. I don't need the comeback that doesn't quite finish. Just either do it or don't. And then Darren Williams hits the three. And at that point, all my friends that were downstairs, they come running up and they're like, yeah, you know, they're jumping on me. We had a futon up there. So we damn near break the futon probably as they just like, yeah, but there was still one more play to go. You had to stop Arizona to force overtime. And there was a full, you know, 25, 30 seconds, I think, for them to do that. They miss it. Thank God. You get to overtime. You immediately jump out to, I think, a 90 to 81 lead. And then you don't score again for the last two, two and a half minutes. Arizona brings it closer. Okay, now it's 90 to 89, or is it 89 to 88? It was a one-point game. Arizona ball. Hassan Adams, I want to say, has the ball for the last shot, and Luther Head is on him, a hobble Luther Head. And I swear to God, there has never been a shot that an opposing team has taken that was in the air for as long as that one. It felt like time stopped. And in fact, when the buzzer sounded, I was back downstairs at this point, and it took me a good 10 seconds to come to the realization that we had actually won that game. And then we're just hugging, everybody, everyone's hugging one another, and it's just like we were all at a loss. I mean, we will never, ever experience something like that again. You know, like in the moment, you knew it. You knew that that was it. Like they could win the national title, but there's not going to be a rush quite like what we saw the last four minutes of regulation and that overtime. And I can only imagine being in that stadium. I, I mean, I, I remember after doing the Foo Fighters thing, you know, being on stage with them, spur of the moment, that I didn't feel right for two days because you expended every single endorphin. It's gone. So <laughs> I felt spent the next day, like this sort of weird glow of, uh, yeah, I feel great, Illinois won, but also, man, I, I expended every endorphin. Had I been at the Allstate Arena that night, I, I don't think I would have felt right for a month. I mean, good Lord, the, the shared energy of that moment had to be just, you can't match it. You'll never conjure that up again. So I never really relive that here on the 200 level, but it is worth reliving every now and then. It's something that is, will always be my answer. What's the greatest sports thing you've ever seen? That's it. So the Illinois, Arizona history, I'm trying to think the last time we even played these guys, shoot, Played them, I want to say, back in, uh, you played them again in 06 or 07 at Tucson or in Phoenix for a random neutral site game. I think you might have played them at the United Center one more time. And by that point, there wasn't enough familiar faces between the two teams to really give it the pop that it needed. I don't know if we played them during the Sean Miller era. If we did, I forget. If John Gross did or late Bruce Weber. So it's nice to get them back here. And then it just so happens, by the way, that they're number one in the net ranking, number 11 in Ken Palm. Uh, you're 13 in Ken Palm and somewhere in the 20s in the net ranking. But why not take the approach that you're playing the number one team in the nation? You know, like the net ranking is not perfect, but right now Arizona's playing about as good as anybody in the country. But do we believe that they're going to stay there? Do we believe that they are, in fact, the number one team in the country? No. Do I believe they're probably a top 15, maybe top 10 team? Yeah. 
I think we are too. I think what we're in for is a hell of a game. I think we're in for a high-scoring game. I think we're in for just a, a, a relentlessly paced Saturday matinee at State Farm Center. I don't think we're going to be bored for a second. And while I do not anticipate Illinois winning this game by some really comfortable margin, you know, I think that you're going to enter that last media timeout and still have some work to do to close that thing out. I do feel like, given the crowd that will be there and given the way this team is playing, I think the smart money is on Illinois. I think Vegas would assume so as well, probably a three-point spread, which is essentially a pick when you consider that Illinois is the home team and home teams get about three points. The factor is, or the X factor, let's say, as it is in every game, is that you have Kofi and they don't. And it's not just you have Kofi and they don't. It's that Kofi opens everything up and has been opening things up even more for the rest of the guys on offense. Defensively, I think you're gradually figuring some things out. I really think that, you know, apart from the runs that Iowa had, you did a damn good job on them. Um, and Iowa was going to get theirs. I don't mind defensively Iowa scoring 75 points. And however many they scored at the end, there's that late rush with free throws and all that that kind of discount that. I think when it mattered, your defense was good enough. I think they can get better. I do think that they're still suspect, though. And that's why I don't see you probably pulling away from Arizona. Um, Overall, though, I'm not really nervous about the game. I'm excited more than anything. I'm excited to get back into that State Farm Center where the environment is just electric, and it's going to be. I mean, even that feeling, okay? So it's a Saturday late afternoon, and the sun going down, and dusk is kind of settling in. I think it's going to be a windy and cloudy day, so there's that, okay, we're in the State Farm Center, and that sort of manic energy that builds and builds. Now you actually have, like, starting lineups that are badass and you know, there's going to be a palpable tension that will take me back to that Iowa game at the end of, uh, or back, what was that, March 8th of 2020. And to be able to experience that again, walking into an exhibition game where there were 8,000 other people, that was enough to get me all like riled up and like, this is amazing. Or the Rutgers game where there was maybe 12,000 people there, good crowd for those that were there and a really fun game. I loved every second of it, but this is different. And there is this sense, as an Illini fan, that we are reclaiming what we are as a basketball program. Like, if we continue to have a sustained success, right, if we continue to win 20-plus games a year and make NCAA tournaments and turn the State Farm Center back into the place that we know it can be, that is part of my identity as a sports fan, that you don't beat Illinois at home, not very often, That it is one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. And when you're at your best, it is the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. We're reclaiming those things. And I think there's this shared acknowledgement of that among Illini fans. That you know this is what matters to us. And we're going to be cheering like our fandom depends on it on Saturday. If this sounds a bit dramatic or hyperbolic and you know I love the hyperbole, I understand. But having been back in there a few times this year... And now this sets up perfectly. I mean, you couldn't have drawn this up any better. You're playing great. Arizona's playing great. You're at home. And you get them on the road next year. I think that's the back and forth. Or wait, no, this is the return trip for when you played them. uh, Gosh, would that have been Underwood's third year? Where you beat Grand Canyon and you lost to Arizona on the road? I think it was. I think it was Underwood's third year. So this is the return trip, the home and home series. And works out perfect. I mean, this win will go a long way in reestablishing Illinois as a top 15 team. I think they will jump immediately into the polls in the top 20 for sure. And you get to sit on those two Big Ten wins for another two or three weeks. 
And then you get some easy games to finish the non-conference. At which point, what are you right now? You are 7-2. and two. If you beat Arizona, you're 8-2. and two. Finish the non-conference, you should be 11-2. and two. And 2-0 and oh in the Big Ten. And a pretty nice stretch of Big Ten games to open up before you get Michigan on Friday, the 14th of January, and then Purdue on Monday, the 17th, which is MLK Day. So this is setting up nicely. Now, of course, I'm getting ahead of myself. Remember, this team can lay a stinker. They can. I don't know how often that's going to happen at home. I really don't. And the fact they shot as well as they did against Iowa was all the more encouraging. It's like, well, maybe this good shooting can travel. For the most part, that good shooting did not go away. I mean, Plummer and Grandison especially are just hitting them right now. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see maybe a bit of a comeback game for Coleman Hawkins offensively after an off night at Iowa. Wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, DeMonte Williams knock down two or maybe even three threes. And then, of course, what if? What if he can maybe get Corbello back for 15 minutes, right? Have him off the bench. Let him just be a facilitator and, and maybe get him back into it. By the time you listen to this, maybe there's going to be a press conference where Underwood updates the status and Corbello's yet again out. And I, I'm not counting on anything. But even without him, you have the depth and the talent to win this game. And uh, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. It's been a long time since a non-conference game has had me this riled up. And I keep going back to that Seton Hall game as the sort of benchmark for a non-conference game at the State Farm Center, the Assembly Hall, where everything is just, you know, you're, there's going to be moments on Saturday after a big Kofi dunk and Arizona calls a timeout and that place explodes. And you guys know that sound. And, and you know the, the chill you can get down the back of your spine or the first time that you get a big three, right? And that roar. I mean, just the anticipation when Alfonso Plummer now it's at home, right? When he goes up to shoot a three and the, you know, the gas from the crowd, uh, you know, just where you kind of your butt rises off your seat, maybe two or three inches and you do uh, And then it goes in splash or boom, as the bench would say. It's these are the fun things about sports. You know, the, these are the things that we live for and I live for. And of course, I'm kidding myself when I say I'm going to go on sabbatical from this team when they start two and two I got to take a break well I did take a break why did I take a break because I was hurt I think we all were like oh god please don't screw us over sports gods you know we need we need good Illini basketball we really do especially after the way last season ended we really need this one yeah I was hurt I, I was bummed I was bamboozled and and felt like I'd been betrayed or something stupid like that and somehow here we are five games later and things have settled into this Oh, right. We're good. Right. This is where we belong. You know, we talk about Underwood on the show sometimes and, and the things that we like about him and maybe the few questions that we still have about him. But those questions are more few and far between. And it is also reassuring in the midst of all this to feel like, you know, we aren't going to be in the same position as we were, let's say, during the John Gross era, where you have to question whether or not you got a head coach that knows what he's doing. I think we are well past that. And then we can move into that territory of, well, what if this is the guy that can be here for a long, long time? And it's firmly more in that camp than it is uh, any, any position where we really question whether or not Brad Underwood is a long-term option here. Um, that is a luxury I'm not going to take for granted when you look at how things had been for Illini basketball, really from 2006 to 2020, you know, when he finally got things going, when the calendar turned in the Big Ten season in 2020. Yeah, 
I'm ready for it. Um, another bit of good news before we get out of here. So I would assume we will get his jersey raised into the rafters on January 6th. And that's Maryland coming to town. It's not a Mark Turgeon-led Maryland team, so maybe you'll finally beat Maryland. They did lose at home to Northwestern. Of course, Northwestern's doing that usual thing, the okey-doke move where they're kind of good in November and December, and then you realize they aren't that good. And no, they aren't going to make the tournament. And Chris Collins is not all he's cracked up to be, but they're, they're just good enough right now to be annoying. Maryland might not be good, and maybe they fall by the wayside completely with Turgeon gone. But a, a big day nonetheless to hang a jersey that deserves to be hung in those rafters. And I talked about it on this show back in, in March and early April, trying to kind of reconcile that Loyola loss and, and placing Io's place in, in Illinois history. We can acknowledge that the end was disappointing and that it was almost puzzling how much of a non-factor he was in that Loyola game. But the true testament to Io is where you are right now as a program, right? The fact that you are in this level uh, or you've moved up the rung enough where the floor for Illinois basketball is so much higher than what it used to be, not solely because of Io DeSumo, but he was the guy. He was the first guy, and the first guy is often the most impactful. You don't get to this point without the contributions from him, and of course that goes without saying, but there is this sort of long-term effect, right, That where all of a sudden now guys like Jeremy Fears, the 2023 kid, are looking at this program and thinking, how cool is that, as he watches Io contribute on a night-in-night-out basis for the Bulls and even get some starts for them. And yeah, he wasn't great against Cleveland last night, but he's been really good overall, and he is one of the better rookies in the NBA. And that's going to stick. And he gets to play for the hometown Chicago Bulls, which is basically an 82-night-a-year advertisement for Illinois basketball with Illinois high school basketball players. Oh, there's Io playing for the Bulls. I mean, and these guys might know full well that, yeah, oh, well, you can't just like pick, oh, I'm going to play for the Chicago, Illinois and then the Chicago Bulls. You'd have to actually get drafted by them. But there is this sort of you know, visual of being able to see the face of Illinois basketball, right? And that's what Io is right now. He is the current face of Illinois basketball, even a year removed from it. And you get to see him don the Chicago Bulls uniform and think, wow, it is kind of cool to be a basketball player in the state of Illinois. Io made it cool again. Io made it cool to be from Illinois and stay at Illinois. And that is going to pay dividends for a long time. That jersey deserves to be hung up there. He still had one of the greatest single seasons I've ever seen in Illinois basketball history. The way it ended, I can't say the greatest, I probably can't do that the way that it ended, and I know that that might be reductive because that is one game, but it is the NCAA tournament, and that's how a lot of legacies are measured. But there are so many other parts of his legacy that other jerseys up in those rafters do not have. They had a lot more maybe success in March, and they had more NCAA tournament appearances and all that. But if you look at the full effect that an individual has had on this basketball program, it is difficult to overstate Io's impact on this basketball program. So... That is going to be a celebratory day. It's going to feel so good. A hero's welcome as he deserves. And man, has he represented this program well? Has he represented the school well? You know, it's he was on the back cover of the Chicago Sun-Times. He's the hometown boy, and he's not going to be ever, you know, to the level of a Derrick Rose where he's, you know, I don't, I don't think at least, where he's on the path to being a Hall of Famer or anything like that. But good Lord, I mean, he's, really good and really fun to watch on a team that has a chance to win the East as a rookie. He has that and he's not going anywhere. They're going to, they're going to keep him. I mean, that's 
too good of a story for them. That's a guy that's going to sell jerseys. And what a dream. I mean, remember back in August, this is early August during the NBA draft, and he doesn't get drafted in the first round. And then everyone's thinking, well, wait a second. The Bulls are coming up again. But even in my wildest dreams after the Bulls picked him, could I have imagined he'd be this good this early? That's a testament to him. And the way that Billy Donovan talks about him says everything you need to know. That's one of the best coaches in the NBA. He's worked with some of the best athletes in NBA history, including like a Kevin Durant. He knows a thing or two. Oh, yeah, two NCAA championships of Florida in a row. Uh, just a great coach, period. Anyway, you slice it. And he knows. And I always made an impression on him, and that just speaks volumes of the kid. I say kid, young man, and uh, man, January 6th is going to be fun. I'm really excited for that. I think that's all we got for this particular podcast. There are some Big Ten games tonight as I'm about to sign off. I think Purdue is at Rutgers. Oh boy, what else here? I'm going to try to get this from my phone and make sure I don't miss anything. There was a game last night that I got to address real quick. I don't get what the point of Indiana basketball is. I really don't get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, last night they were up big, I think 20 points essentially on Wisconsin and they blow it. So it doesn't matter that Archie Miller is gone. There is still this stink wafting over Indiana basketball and I hope it stays there forever. They don't scare me. And if you think about it, the Illinois Indiana games have actually been really competitive the last three years, they've all been right down to the wire. They are not a, not a pushover, but yet they don't scare me. Like when push comes to shove anymore, I'm like, yeah, we're going to beat Indiana. They don't know how to close out games. They can't close out the game last night against, I'm sorry, a middling Wisconsin team. And I'm not going to have anyone tell me otherwise. And that's not just me hoping that Greg Gard is in fact a mediocre coach, or at least is not able to maintain the Bo Ryan levels of success, which he is not so far, but I do not buy Wisconsin. I think last night is much more of an indictment on the culture at Indiana. And that might take Mike Woodson some time, but come on. Do we really think Mike Woodson's going to be the guy to do it? I don't know what the hell that hire was. And they can say, well, he's one of our guys. Okay, fine, whatever. But it uh, doesn't mean he's going to be a good coach there. So count me uh, unimpressed. And it's kind of funny if you think about it. Okay, Purdue at Rutgers tonight. And again, by the time you listen to this, that game will probably be over. It's a 13 and a half point spread for Purdue. Would not be surprised at all if they win even more comfortably than that. And then Iowa at Iowa State is interesting. Not a Big Ten matchup, but a chance for Iowa to rebound. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know if I can touch that one. Somehow Iowa is favored on the road against Iowa State, and that is at Ames, so I'm not really sure where that came from. Not touching that one, folks. Not going to touch that one. And then what else do we got? Friday, there's no games. And Saturday, elsewhere in the Big Ten, Nebraska's at Auburn. Have fun with that, Nebraska. Wisconsin at Ohio State. Uh, that's going to be close because I, I don't necessarily buy Ohio State either. And when I say buy them, I don't buy Ohio State or Wisconsin to be top three in the Big Ten. I think it's firmly Purdue and then Illinois and Michigan jostling for two and three. Penn State at Michigan State won't be a problem for Michigan State. And Minnesota at Michigan, whatever the spread is, take Michigan. Minnesota sucks. And Michigan is starting to make threes, and they've looked pretty good the last two games. Though, then again, Nebraska might just suck that bad. I, I, I'm not sure. All right, well, that's it for tonight's episode of the 200 Level. I appreciate you guys tuning in for a midweek episode. I hope this kind of put a bow on what was a big win at Iowa. I hope it got you a little bit excited for the Arizona game. I'm, I cannot wait for Saturday, and I hope that when I come back Sunday morning to do a podcast, we can have some more fun and not talk about a disappointing loss to a good team, but talk about a marquee win that is going to help this team come Selection Sunday. 
The 200 level brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Oh, by the way, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So as you stay home and maybe celebrate a big one I went on Saturday, have as many drinks as you want. Just let them bring the calzone to your door, dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy and he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Fourth and Kirby, just in time for Christmas. Go online to fourthandkirby.com for vintage inspired Illini apparel at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, Rector Construction, R E C T O R Construction.com for all your home exterior needs. And I know winter's coming up, but that doesn't mean they can't still get the job done. So go on to rectorconstruction.com for a free estimate today. For Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level, and you, the listeners, thank you all so much. Uh, follow us on twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level and uh oh yeah one more plug while we're at it because why not i'm just plugging everything left and right this is decadence out of your head from our latest album fever dreams available anywhere music is streaming have fun on saturday everybody it's going to be a good one in the meantime stay safe and stay healthy we'll see you soon it is the 200 level